Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow. And I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside my trusty sidekick, Dwayne Drawn. What's going on, Dwayne? Nothing much, man. Chilling like a villain. Uh, I feel like a fishbowl today. I mean, I feel like I'm living in a fishbowl. It's raining like crazy. For once, it's actually been pretty dry here for a long time. So I'm enjoying to see the rain. It's it's sort of a joy to watch it come down, but it's it's coming down pretty hot and heavy. Yeah, it won't be long. It's going to be snow out there in Chicagoland. Don't even say that's a cuss word around here. Don't even hey, say do you that. Hey, you got all-terrain <laughs> tires for that bike of yours? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This year, it's funny you say that, Joshua. This year, I'm, I'm going to do it, and, and I'm going to post it on social media. You're going to see it. But uh, I do have some knobs I'm going to put on the bike, and I'm going to ride throughout the snow. And matter of fact, when it gets down to 19 below, I'm going to ride on that day, too. I love Watch. it. It's going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you take a down. video of that. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go gonna, out and uh, I'll jog the same day, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, it's going to go down. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. So today we have a special guest on on the show. Um, he's been referred to as the tech whisperer. And I don't mean tech like Apple iPhone kind of tech. I'm talking about technician, the guys out in the field, the face of your company, the ones that are talking to your clients, the ones that are out there really performing the, the tasks at hand. We're going to talk a lot about different uh, things that he's doing in his business and also how he can help you do the same. He has... Um, a business here is morningtechmeeting.com. And uh, he also has a, a podcast called Blue Collar Nation Podcast. And one thing I love about his mission, his the wording he has on his site and the, and the person that he is, is he loves to see other people win. The goal here is just to empower others to win and to do the very best they possibly can. So uh, while any further ado, this is Eric Sprague. Um, how you doing, Eric? I'm doing great, Josh. Thanks to you and Dwayne for having me. You caught me right about to hit the cough button and cough. So <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> no worries at all, Eric. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? You know, open up to the audience to figure sure. out who you are. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I grew up in Maine and I grew up in a very kind of blue collar environment and always had jobs working as a, you know, electrician's assistant and contractors and the whole thing. And, you know, everybody told me as a kid, like, you don't want to do blue collar work. You know, you need to go, go to school, go to college, get a white collar job. And, you know, I, I tried my best at that and realized one year into uh, out of college, sitting in a cubicle that I hate this. This is not for me. So I yeah. bailed on a what was supposed to be a, a career and um, started digging ditches and uh, I was laying fiber optic cable from San Diego to Dallas. <laughs> you know, and I was totally oh, wow. happier. You know, I was like, I'm on the field. I got a van. Um, and then, you know, just kind of started down a road of getting to the point where I could open my own business. I think I was entrepreneurial always as a kid, to be honest. I don't, I don't work well for others, honestly. And, uh, I'd wink my college roommate into leaving his computer white collar job and starting a cleaning and restoration business. And we did that in 2008, right when the great recession hit. <laughs> so we oh, had nice. a rocky, rocky road at the beginning, but uh, we grew that company up to about 30 employees and uh, we sold it in 2008, September 2018. We sold. You know, Eric, I'm going to come direct on the first question with sure. you is and, and this is something that I felt I want to I, I want to hear your side. And you got to think back at that time. Um, I sort of started same like you uh, blue collar. My father actually worked at a college and we had full ride scholarships to uh, Capital University and I choose not to take it. And we had this grass cutting business. I did that. And then I went to the Marine Corps and I came back and we were cutting grass and doing stuff. There was a moment, though, that um, as a young kid, it was empowering to do that. But when I started hitting like sort of my grown up ages, when I mean that at the time, I, you thought you're grown like early 20s. Um, 
I was feeling sort of bad for cutting grass and sort of feeling little, like there's more to the world and maybe I should have went to school. Did you go, did you navigate those feelings? Oh yeah. Big time. Um, well, you know, it even started before that, Dwayne. I remember I was a freshman in high school. I had, I had always been an athlete. That's kind of what I was known for. And I went to my guidance counselor because I used to sit in class and just hate it. You know, it was like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, going blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking out the window, watching vans drive down the street, wondering where everybody went. And I had this one class where I could see the vocational school from for our school out the window. And I'd see guys, you know, working on cars and doing all kinds of cool stuff. So I went to the guidance counselor and said, hey, you know, I think I would like to go to vocational school. That That's a better fit for me. I'll never forget. This is so like 1981 or something. And he was like, look, Eric, you're an athlete, not a burnout. You're not going to vocational school. Oh, wow. You know, and I was just like, number one, those guys are my friends. I know the, <laughs> I, I know those burnouts. They're, they're good people, you know? And um, yeah. And I just went, I just put my tail between my legs and went back to class and tried to shove a, you know, square peg in a round hole for the next 10 or 15 years. It just wasn't a good fit for me. I mean, I did yeah. fine in college. It wasn't like I did poorly, but when I got out, I just realized corporate America is not for me. So then yes, Dwayne, to answer your question in a roundabout way, when I got out in the field and started working these jobs, I took a huge hit to my ego because people were like, oh, it's just the carpet cleaner. Like I can remember, like I even, when we had our own business, I'd ring the doorbell, go into this house and they, the owner would answer the doorbell with the phone in their hand. And I could hear them saying, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go. It's just the carpet cleaner. I'm like, it's just the carpet cleaner. Crazy. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I remember where, where it really hit me hard was um, I was cutting grass at a McDonald's and my girlfriend at the time, I actually met her driving down the street at like 12 o'clock at night. I hollered at her. She gave me her phone number. Um, she had a BMW, really nice house. At, I, I'm not going to say what her job was, but she was doing very well. And she came up to the job one day while I was cutting grass. I hopped up the lawnmower. She gave me a kiss and and I'm, I, I get back on my lawnmower. And it hit me like, damn, dude, like this girl, like one side is I'm like, I still can't believe she's like messing with me. But the other side, like you're just on some lawnmowers, but not in my head. I didn't realize I'm running. I'm sitting on $60,000 worth of equipment and it's a business and it's making ridiculous money. So by all means, we were doing very well, but the whole grass cutting thing, it got to me at the time. Really? Yeah. I mean, once our business got established and, you know, I would get to jobs and, oh, I'm, you know, it's the carpet cleaner or whatever, you know, and I would sit there in my head thinking, I've got 30 guys rolling in, you know, 20 vans. And I was up mm -hmm. at four o'clock, you know, working on my P&L, like, and I'm probably making way more money than you are. So that that's what got me over it. You know, I started mm -hmm. to have to think of myself as an, like I had to drill down and be like, I am an entrepreneur. I don't care what anybody says about me. I don't care about a BMW or anything. It's like I know that I'm successful. Like they might not view me that way, but I view me that way. Took yeah, time. It's a lot self-talk. And I, I went through the same thing with landscaper. The word landscaper just puts you know the hair in the back of my neck standing up because it's like, yep. oh, it's the landscaper, which means the grass cutter. Yep. Like, no, we do outdoor living. We we transform your backyard into a space that you're going to create memories with your family. We do crazy, amazing things in design and construction. It's not a fucking landscaper. That's what landscapers do, you know, but landscapers are kind of everybody around us. So if they call me a landscaper. I actually feel like it's a black eye. I'm like, that's not what we do at all. You know, yeah. that landscaping is a very small portion, but it took me a lot to get through my mind. And to your point, it's like, no, we, we all run successful companies. You happen to call us the carpet cleaner, the landscaper. You right. need to work through your own mindset and realize that they're just, they just don't understand the bigger piece of it yet. And yeah. that we have to work through so that it doesn't keep dinging that, uh, that side of the mindset thing. You know, the thing is, we, we've had a few guests on our podcast, you know, and one of the guests that we have recurring is his name's Ken Midget. They call him Coach. He won like high school vocational plumbing instructor of the year twice for the United States. I and mean, this guy's good. Wow. And he was saying that you know, we were talking about, you know, getting people to work in some sort of trade. And he was like, if you don't get them by the time they're in eighth grade, your chance of getting them is very low. And wow. I was like, okay, so what's the roadblock? And he said, the parents, 
they don't want their kid to be the carpet cleaner or the landscaper. They want, you know, quote unquote, more for that kid. But if they actually, you know, really looked into it and what people can make in the trades, they'd probably have a different viewpoint of that. Mm, I agree. Wow. Um, And you know what? I'm going to add to this too, because this is even coming from the parents' parents who actually are the carpet cleaners. And because they are the carpet cleaners, they want to tell their kids to do something bigger and better. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's as parents, we got to be careful of that. You know, I think that's that, that mindset, I hope, at least it is in my family that it's shifting to whatever you're passionate about, kid, chase your passions. If it is carpet cleaning, if it is dog walking, if it is being a rocket scientist, just go and be happy. It's about being happy as opposed to, you know, the old adage that you have to go to college, get a, you know, four years of college and then get a job and be in it for, you know, all the way up till you're about what, 65 and then retire and have a couple of years left to live, right? Why don't you live your life through your occupation to the vocational side of things? If you can work with your hands, and that brings you joy. Why the hell are you not doing it? Because of a stigma? Because yeah. of what others have told you? So you'd rather get in the wheel like a rat and run it so that others view you as valuable versus you valuing yourself from within. It's interesting, you know, where I live in Utah, I live in this beautiful valley and it's full of very, very high end homes. And I look around my neighborhood and it's paving contractor, roofer, general contractor, plumber, Mm -hmm. HVAC, you know, owners, but, you know, it's like and I look around and I'm like, we have an inordinate amount of people that are in the trades living in this neighborhood. Um, they've obviously done very well for themselves. You know, it's not everybody's struggling. It's just not that's not the case. And, you know, to yeah. that whole point, I don't know. Did you guys ever read the book, The Millionaire Next Door? You know, it came out 25 years ago or whatever. In the book, have- they talk about how a lot of these millionaires that they were, you know, researching had very what they called dull to normal careers roofer paver <laughs> carpet cleaner you know mm-hmm. and they had built businesses where they had accumulated wealth and yet those same parents were telling their children don't do what i do <laughs> wow you know go to go to college yeah. go to graduate school and you know the kind of in the book they're like it's it's ironic that the parents are still even though they built wealth doing dull to normal jobs, they're still pushing their kids away from it. Yeah. It's crazy. Eric, there's another side to this though. Like um, when we started the paper patio business, our average job at the time, I want to say was like in between eight and 20,000. Okay. So that was our average customer and that was our clientele. I noticed that most of that clientele, they were employees. And the houses were about three to five hundred thousand, somewhere in that range, maybe two fit back in the day, maybe two fifty to five hundred thousand. They were all employees. And so as myself looking at a company and at that time struggling, you I mean, and it, you're struggling because of your mindset, you don't know how. And you're looking at that like, man, maybe I should sell this and go get a real job because they have their family, they're home with their wife and kids. You know what I mean? That's what was going through my head. On this side now, now that we do higher and outdoor living, we're matching architectural detail connection. I notice a lot of my clients now are business owners, entrepreneurs, because we're at a you I mean higher dollar amount and higher figure. So I think it's what you see too, because you know you are what you see. So what do you think that does that add a something into this too? Yeah, I mean, as far as the employee thing goes. I've noticed that too, cleaning carpet. You know, we kind of lived in, Larry and I, our business was in an area that kind of had both upper end and middle class homes. It was suburbs of Los Angeles. And, you know, what we saw was that a lot of the people who were successful business owners were were actually living in the more modest homes and much more careful about how they spent their money because they wanted a nest egg in case the business had a few months that didn't go well or, you know, like, whereas the employees, they felt probably overly secure in their paycheck. So they were willing to spend it. It, I noticed over and over and over that a lot of entrepreneurs were much more cautious about how they lived and they weren't as worried about, I don't know, public appearances or keeping up with the Joneses. And that struck me at a very, very quickly, like, okay, 
these people are socking money away. Like, you know, you'd go into a house that looked pretty regular, give a really high bid and they'd, they'd say yes. But, you know, they were you could tell that they were just cautious about their money more so than the employees. And that struck me. And, you know, Larry and I made a point to live that way as well. That's smart. Yeah, it's it, because they know how how much it can come and go. You're, you're exactly. To your point exactly. When they're used to a paycheck every week, every two weeks, it shows up in their account, direct deposit, and they just keep moving their life. As long as they don't move the needle past what their comfort is, or they're not going to go into debt, they just always think it's this golden road coming down. This, and they're just walking on it. Where as a business owner, especially in seasonal businesses, I don't know how seasonal. I bet it is seasonal. You know, the carpet cleaning business, but you know, in, in outdoor living, in landscaping, it is very seasonal in the in the northern tiers for sure. And we always had to do nine months of work and then we spent most of it in three months of the snow in the winter and it just the same freaking rotation like every year we started the new business right after tax season once he got his you know the big chunk of cash then we're like crap now we got to go run this and then by the end of the year like look we got money and then all of a sudden goes winter time we lose some and then spring it's back to pay the tax man and back out again it's like this endless cycle we eventually broke that by being much smarter at how we do things and now we don't even have cycles anymore but the point is did you see that in the in the carpet cleaning business as well that 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 cyclical spin around yeah i mean people for carpet cleaning even in los angeles people think oh la it's sunny every day there would be no seasons but there still are you know because if it's 55 degrees in los angeles um they view that as like minus 19 in chicago (laughs) it's a relative (laughs) scale right so they're like i'm not having you come clean my carpets when it's 55 degrees out that's crazy talk you know so You know, the majority of our business was insurance work for property restoration, fire, flood, mold. So, but that's cyclical too. Not cyclical. That is, it's up and down. You know, those are random events. You don't know how many you're going to get at any given time. So we could get 20 calls in one day and not have a call for five days. It just depends, you know? And so for that, you always had to have a nest egg, you know, or what if I get two really big commercial property restoration jobs where it's going to take the insurance company 90 to 120 days to pay me and I'm going to lay out $200,000 to do the jobs. I need to have that money sitting somewhere so that I can float it. You know, employees don't have to do that. Exactly. Yeah. They have less. So Eric, you know, you go selling your, your company to 30 employees, you know, back in 2018, it's 2021. What happened between now and then? Oh, so much. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I had commuted from Utah to LA every week for the entire time that we had our service business. And I wanted to come home and just be here and see my kids more. And so I did that for a while. Larry, Larry stayed on um, as a consultant with the company that we sold to. And I started doing consulting gigs for other restoration companies. And, you know, what I realized in our business was we grew and were winning because our technicians were well-trained. Most people in our industry throw a 23-year-old kid in a van and say, go, you know, I mean, there might be a little bit of technical training, but all of a sudden that kid is rolling up to the $3 million house with the doctor and the lawyer for the husband and the wife with no idea how to communicate effectively with them. No idea how to behave in a $3 million house. Like, you know, cause in my business, we're inside the house. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's, I mean, yes, it matters that you're anywhere near the house, but inside adds to that, you know, we're going in their bedroom. We're going in their bathrooms. So, you know, we were having a lot of problems and I just realized that like, these are all from the field. And then as I dig in, none of them are technical. My guys know how to do their job, but they don't know how to behave because the people that came and applied for the job, you know, a lot of them were, you know, males, young males, Many didn't have a dad. Many didn't grow up in a family that, you know, taught them a lot about $3 million homes. <laughs> so right. they didn't have that skill set. And I, uh, you know, and a lot of my peers would just be like, oh, young people, they're terrible and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, or the school didn't train them or their parents didn't train them. We've all heard that, right? I'm like, well, then it's up to me. I need to train them because this is who's applying for me. So yeah. <clears throat> I just got really in. I, I basically moved. 
a manager into a lot of my role that I did every day. And then I just went to town on training everybody. I was out in the field. I was review. I did, you know, 30, 30 day quick reviews. I reviewed every single guy every 30 days because yeah, what nice. happens is, you know, if you hire a guy, you don't train him for the soft skills and he's making mistakes that are irritating you and you only do like, you know, one or two reviews a year. They've gone so far off course that it's hard to bring them back to the middle. So I'm like, I'm just going to have like a five minute quick review and I'm going to do it every 30 days. And a lot of times I do it on the tailgate of my truck right at a job, you know. And as I started to do that, and I'll get into some of the other strategies, too. Everything started getting better and they started getting better because they felt better that they felt more confident in what they were doing. So we our big thing was we had never had a morning meeting. Like we did like a weekly meeting and told everybody what the week was going to look like and go. And I started doing a morning meeting every day, 10 to 15 minutes. First part would be like a production meeting. You're going here, you're going here, you're going here. But then the second half would be personal development, disc personality training, in-home behavior, how to do add-on sales, you know, all these other soft skills. And I was just thinking like, I think this will work. I don't know if this will work. And man, it worked. It worked well. So, you know, all of a sudden we're having way lower turnover. We're, we're not having the callbacks. We're having more add-on sales, all the things that you want. So after we sold, I just realized I started doing some consulting work for another company and I started doing a morning meeting. And they had all kinds of culture problems and all kinds of mistakes and it was going away. And I'm like, this works for everybody. What I'm doing works. So I called up Larry and I said, I, I have an idea for a business. Let's start a video training academy where they get a five to seven minute video every single day of all the same lessons that we taught our guys. And it doesn't matter if you're in landscaping, pest control, HVAC, electrical, carpet cleaning. We all do the same thing. We send people to people's homes. Right. So the lessons are similar. So we started that two years ago and now we're in all of those industries. We have people. I, I, my favorite thing ever is I got a picture sent to me from a client. I think they're in Zimbabwe and there's a bunch of guys sitting in front of a, a, a big screen TV with my ugly mug on it doing a lesson, getting ready before the day. And there's like 20 HVAC guys in Africa learning the same thing I taught my guys in L.A. And, uh, that's freaking awesome. and that's what I've been doing. And, you know, we started the podcast to kind of get more known. And the best part of the podcast, to be honest, was all the cool people we meet. We've just met so many interesting people. as I'm sure you guys have. And then oh, I do one-on-one yeah. -on -one coaching to help them implement systems and kind of the things that I did in my business. And now we just had our first class yesterday because hiring and attracting and retaining employees is such a big deal right now. Uh, I have a friend, Bruce Deloach, who's in our industry. He's a technical trainer. He has a school for teaching water damage restoration guys how to do the, the technical work. But we've started a class called the Profits of Profit to teach business owners how to create a culture that will retain and attract the talent that they need. And uh, uh, I think we're going to do this probably once a month moving forward. I love that. Eric, we had the same um, issues too on the soft skill side. And like we would have, I, if you've, you probably haven't listened to another podcast, but there was a time where I would actually take guys of the work release programs. And then also, I mean, just to be transparent here, being a brother in this industry, there's not too many of us brothers. Right. So I actually made it a point to, I mean, I've mentored so many young, I mean, black kids throughout the communities, but they weren't really the best well-spoken, the best well-acting because of the community, not, not because of the, who they were, right. because of the harmonious connection of the community, what the, what's cre been created from them. And so I would have issues where, I mean, I pulled up one time, they're smoking weed one day. Um, and it, I didn't want even a black thing. It was the white people and the black people. Yeah, I was going to say that, dude, I, yeah. I've done that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, just coming to work with no shirt on like no bro you got to put that on so mm. what was your biggest like when you're training these things what was the biggest issues that you were you were noticing was the problem it's a couple things um 
accountability was always one that a lot of these kids, and I, I, I'm not trying to stereotype it. They didn't have a dad. They didn't have a, the, that kind of figure in their life that said, no, you're not going to behave that way. So when they would come to work, they would think that they could just do whatever they wanted to do. Like they were doing a guest at home with mom with no accountability. So, you know, instead of getting angry and yelling and all that, I would have to, you know, do the coaching. Hey, look, you know, you can't treat other people that way. You know, you have to be accountable if you want to have a good life, whether it's at our company or anywhere else, you need to show up on time, look the part, shave, treat people a certain way. And I know that sounds so basic, but these kids were not coming with those skills. They just were not. Uh, the other thing was confidence, to be honest. A lot of a lot of them, because we were in a lot of high-end homes, they had been taught. I hate this. Not the, they had been taught to view wealthy people as the enemy of everybody else. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, they had all these preconceived notions about, quote unquote, rich people <laughs> or, you know, rich assholes or whatever they said, you know. And, yeah. you know, I had to undo that because it was like, if you guys look at our our jobs for the year, our wealthier clients are actually the easiest clients we have. And the reason for that, I think, was because what let's say they spent fifteen hundred dollars on a carpet cleaning job. The percentage of their disposable income that that $1,500 represents is very small compared to somebody that makes $48,000 a year. It's just different. So the person Absolutely. that makes $48,000 a year is going to grind us way harder than the wealthy person for the same ticket. And as I started to bring those things up, they started to recognize them. Yeah, you're right. They, you know, the, the wealthy family were super nice to me, but, but they had these preconceived notions, Dwayne, that rich people were jerks. And that is not true. Yeah. I, um, this is not a question, but, uh, especially like I said, bringing color in, I, we dealt with a lot of racial uh, issues in our thing. And something that I did notice that coming up is that the people who made the most money they they treated me the best when it came to racism. And it was actually some of that same reason, because what I felt was the more money you made, you realize that it takes everybody to make it. And so the more wealthy the clients were, they actually treated us like like it was an amazing feeling. I know it sounds crazy to you guys, but it was an amazing feeling to feel like we were treated. I was treated with respect and like something I couldn't wait to work for those clients. And then sort of that middle class that, you know, what I mean, that 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 middle class client, they were it, it felt like we threatened them. And they treated us like trash. So I would actually try to avoid them and then focus more on the higher end client. That's probably how we even became what we are now is because we get treated so much better on that level. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. And like I said, it wasn't a question, just a statement. And I, well, I can add to that, though. I think wealthier people believe in meritocracy. They got to where they are by being good at what they do. And they know that whether you're green, red, purple, orange, if you're good at what you do, you're good at what you do. And they don't really care. Yeah. It's not, not part of their vocabulary to think that way. That's my take totally on agree. it. No doubt. No doubt. So Eric, you know, obviously you have, you know, that you want to now teach skills, uh, you know, the, the tech skills to, to people now tell us a little about, about your platform, what makes you guys different and how you're bringing your message and your, your, uh, skill set, if you will, and mindset to the industries. How, how are you doing that? I think our platform's different. And then I don't think anybody's doing what we're doing I, I, to my knowledge. We're the only company that does what we do and that you're, you're talking about morningtechmeeting.com. So, you know, as I alluded to earlier, I do a five minute lesson every day. So I think, I think this week I shot my 530th tech lesson. So wow. it's not like we do 15 lessons and they just repeat them over and over. These guys get a new lesson Monday through Friday, every single day from scratch by me. Wow. And um, you know, we do repeat topics, but we don't repeat them the same way, you know, because I have so much field experience, I try to bring in these quick lessons, stories from the field that the guys can relate to. Cause you know, when I first started doing it, I was making the mistake of thinking in theory, 
right? Like, um, you know, I, I would do it much more book learning style. And my guys would sit there and just glaze over like, oh, we're going to have a lesson on, you know, manners, <laughs> so, you know, it yeah. just didn't resonate. So I started going, wait a minute at heart. I'm a technician, just like these guys. I need to speak their language. I need to tell the same stories that they're seeing in the field. And I honestly think that that's what gets them to resonate. You know, what I hear from my clients is that it's the same stuff that the owners are telling them. But when somebody else tells you, kind of like your parents, it carries more weight. You know, they'll call me frustrated and go, Eric, I have been telling this guy to do this, to not walk across the lawn or whatever it is, a hundred times. And then all of a sudden you have a video for five minutes saying never cross the lawn, always take the sidewalk. And all of a sudden he's telling all the other guys, guys, we got to make sure we you know take the sidewalk because Eric said we need to take the sidewalk. And he's like, why is that? And I was like, well, it's a few things. Number one, he doesn't know me. Number two, I'm saying the same thing that you've been saying. Right. So I'm reiterating that. And number three, and most importantly, they don't know my bad habits. Right. You have contempt for the people that you work the closest with because you see them in all their ugliness. <laughs> you know, so my guys would be the same way. So, you know, just having that that drip on five to seven minute video every day of how we behave at a house, how we talk to a client, where we put the van, how we walk to the door, how we put property protection down, why we don't park in the driveway, you know, all these little things, they sound like little things, but when you're dripping on them every single day, the guys, their behavior changes. They start yeah, seeing service. I got something for you. So uh, Joshua and I have uh, this course called Yes Express and, and we're teaching contractors how to sell how to design. Um, one of the things that I'm noticing about myself is, is that I'm really good at sort of like the face-to-face, -face, sort of like this podcast explaining. But now we're, we have these videos that we've created to teach. And I'm not saying I'm going to be horrible at it forever, but as of right now, I'm not good at it. And how did you become better at doing a teaching session instead of like this live section? What's your tips? Because you're going to help me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, yeah, look, I mean, like anything else, when I first started shooting the videos, I wasn't I was no good at it. <laughs> you know, I, and, mm -hmm. you know, it'd be a lot of takes and a lot of figuring out that. I mean, at the beginning, I look back at my early videos, Dwayne, and I cringe. I'm like, look at that lighting. Well, you know, look at this. I actually think I need to go reshoot the first three or four months. And, you know, you just get used to doing it. Like the weirdest thing for me was to talk to no one. That was my hard thing. So you just have to get, you know, and, and to be honest, I shoot into an iPhone. Because if the quality, here's one of the things, if you're dealing with technicians, if the quality is too professional, they will tune you out because it's too fancy. Mm. It needs to be a little gritty and grainy. Like that's what I learned mm. from our, our, uh, our testing. When we would show the really nice camera with the really great lighting and a really good microphone versus the iPhone with still a good microphone, they preferred the iPhone. Right. So mm -hmm. that would be one thing. And, you know, getting your lighting down is huge, to be honest. And I, I think the other thing is just practice. Just, you know, okay. just practice talking to nobody. And it's weird. Yeah. I, don't, Cause, I cause, wish I had a better answer for you, but I don't, I don't think there's I do. a neat way we operate. Like Joshua, he does a lot of notes and he, he has it all put together. Me, I don't operate like that. Like I need to talk to somebody just like how we're talking now. If you hit record now and started talking to class, you can record this and sell this. You know what I mean? Because I like having this interaction, but this, this thing about being by yourself, staring at a camera. Oh my God. That's, it's just, it's not even wired in my DNA. You need a, you need a pop-up <laughs> of somebody or something. Like, you know how at the, the, at the baseball games after COVID, they had all those cardboard people like behind home plate. <laughs> Maybe you yeah. need that Dwayne. Um, yeah. Wait, I don't know. That I'll didn't, send that you, didn't I'll bother send you selfie Dwayne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It didn't bother me so much. I mean, I, I'm probably more like you. So, I mean, if anybody ever saw how I really do this behind the scenes, I'm not a big note taker. I'm not that like I come up with a concept and I hit play and I just go. Yep. And, yep. but that was how our morning meetings were. It was like, okay, we're having problems with, uh, you know, 
property protection. Like guys aren't putting down mats. They're not wearing their shoe covers, you know, all these things that would, you know, be an irritant to me. So I would, you know, that morning we're going to talk about property protection and I do the lesson into the, into the camera, no different than I would do it if I was standing in front of my team, you know, just guys, we've got to do this. We need to do it. This is why. Um, I think that's just practice. You know. It is. And you know what? It's, it's funny you guys say that because I've, I struggle with that for in the very beginning. I hated seeing myself on a camera and to talk to nobody was the weirdest thing ever. You know, and I had to get over yeah. that. And, and a lot of that happened when I, when I hired a sales coach years ago. Um, and he just did not give a shit whether I was comfortable or not. He's like, I need you to shoot me this. And I need it by tomorrow morning. And I'm like, okay, got it. And I right. would go through and over and over and over shoot until I got something that I was happy with. And, you know, it, it might take three takes. It might take 53 takes. And I've had almost a hundred takes to get what I wanted. And it wasn't because it wasn't exactly the right wording at the right time or the right inflection. It was just to get it done. In the beginning, it was painful. I still have those yeah. videos and I will look back on them in 20 years from now and laugh my ass off, but I'm holding them. I'm not looking at them yet. The point is that, you know, even I'm now, even shooting, yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, but <laughs> the thing take, is, man. now, but what I do is I, I take a couple of thoughts that I have, like a progression, how I want the overall content to come out, you know, and, and if it's in more in a, in a teaching environment and I'll just put bullet points down. They're not long sentences. I'm not going to read shit. I'm yeah. not a guy that's going to memorize anything. So I have bullet points and I know a flow of what I'm looking for. And then I just yeah. extrapolate on all those points and go down through and then close it off. Like, but my, my, it just my it takes a lot Larry to keep does doing exactly that. what you do, Josh. He has yeah. to have he, he kind of writes it all out first, which that would mess me up. I couldn't, I could never do that. I'm just more extemporaneous, I guess. And then he breaks that page of writing down into bullet points and then tapes them to the tripod and then he shoots his video and, you know, however you get there, doesn't matter. Right. You know, yeah. as long as you have the end result, who cares? I couldn't well, do the, that. The most, yeah. The most interesting part is we shoot this segment for uh, my design management company. Uh, we call it behind the design where I go out on projects. Once they're finished, I walk around, explain why we designed it a certain way, what it means to the client and do this. And we create this entire treasure trove of, of assets for, you know, for content. And I know in the very beginning when Becky, she'd come out and hold the camera and it was painful my God, she would shoot. And I didn't have any notes, nothing. And she's like, all right, if we open up like this, introduce yourself, talk about stuff, then close out with this, uh, you know, this, this, uh, closing. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. As soon as the camera would roll, my mind would go blank and I'd be looking around like, oh shit, now what? And it was, it was horribly painful. The point is that over time of doing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, eventually you're like this, I know how it's going to roll. If it, if I flub a word, who cares? If somebody has a problem with a word or two that is wrong, then that they can just shut it me off. I don't care. But you start getting out of your head and you just get in the moment and then all of a sudden it works. Well, I'm a little like you that way, Joshua. I, uh, I have to clear the house to shoot the videos. I don't want anybody hearing me shoot the videos in another room. I don't know nope. why that just weirds yeah. me out. So like everybody, everybody in my house is irritated when dad has to go and, you know, shoot his weekly videos because they're like, oh, we got to leave for two hours or an hour or whatever. I just can't, <laughs> I, I can do it better now by myself than with people around. Yeah. Yep. Eric, I guess the question was more style too, because um, I, I shot a vlog. I think I shot like 97 vlogs. And I want to say 99% of those vlogs are one take, one shots. You know what I mean? Yeah, and me I was too. sort of like, you know what I mean? I didn't give a shit. There, I would listen like, what word was that? Like, you know what I mean? I would say sometime. But I think when you're training and maybe I'm holding my holding the hammer too hard over my head, I feel like when I'm in a training and I'm training somebody, now, though, every word, every morsel, everything matters. And it's like, maybe I should just go back to my style. I mean, that's just I who I am. Yeah, know? I don't believe that, Dwayne, because if you were there with them, you would mm -hmm. misspeak and you would say something, you know, whatever. I, I, I believe that one of the reasons the technicians resonate with my videos is because I'm no different than the guy standing in the warehouse in front of them. I'm using the same language. I'm not way dressed up, I'm telling funny stories. I'm doing whatever to get their attention. And if I flub up some words, I just keep going. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, th I think that seems more real to people. I think your authenticity by misspeaking sometimes has more effect than if you reshot.
Mm, so I totally you know, agree. Like, man, I that's, misspell that's, that's stuff. That's like, I'll I give you an too. example because ours are on a blackboard. We, It's like school, right? I have a blackboard and I have chalk behind me. <laughs> and the reason we do that, I mean, it's kind of become a thing like, oh, we're going to school, Eric's school. But the reason we did that is because at my shop, I was a white, I'm a whiteboard person. Everything goes on a whiteboard. I've like my entire office whiteboards, but you can't shoot off a whiteboard because it reflects the light. So Larry's mm-hmm. like, well, let's go with a blackboard. And I'm like, oh, okay. And look, I'm a horrible speller. And I'll be like on this blackboard in the middle of a video. And then I'll just turn around. I'll kind of look at it and be like, guys, I have no idea if this is spelled correctly or not, but you get the point. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know? And, Sound like me. Yeah. And, you know, but the thing is, is that I think the guys, you know, and I say the guys because they're most mostly males, but, you know, all the techs all over the world that are watching that are like, yeah, I can't spell either, man. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I'm the same. Not only am I a horrible speller, I'm also self-conscious about it. So I, if I'm writing beside you, it's pretty much scribble because I don't want you to see what I'm writing. Oh, that's funny, Dwayne. That's what that's I spelled right. That's what I used to do. That's what I used to do in front of our team. You know, uh, on we'd have whiteboard, you know, meeting our morning meeting, and when I didn't know exactly how to spell the word, I'd just kind of scribble the end of it, and then they'd start calling me out. They'd be like, "Eric, you have no idea how to spell that word." I'm like, "You're totally right. I have it's, no idea how to spell that word." It's T H E. It's the T H E. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Eric, you mentioned so. these lessons that you uh, share each morning with your, uh, you know, with people that sign up and, and jump on with you. Could you mm-hmm. share a lesson with us or, you know, the overall context of what a lesson might sound like so our listeners can get a sense of whether this makes sense for them? Sure. Well, I'll give you an example. So the most popular lesson I have is called Chuck in a Truck versus Paul the Pro. Right. So I basically take a blackboard, I draw a line down the middle and I've got Chuck and truck on one side and Paul, the pro on the other side. And as I'm doing the lesson, I'm doing a compare and contrast versus who we want to be versus who we don't want to be. Right. So I'll be like, okay, Chuck and a truck. Chuck in a truck rolls out of bed 20 minutes before his shift starts. He's hung over because he drank a 12 pack and played Halo till three in the morning. And he's going to get up, not shower, not eat, grab his coat and show up at your job you know, at your shop one minute after he's supposed to be there. Paul, the pro went to bed at 10. He got a good night's sleep. He got up, he ate breakfast, he made his lunch, he packed it, he drank a bunch of water, he might have gone to the gym and worked out. He's at work 15 minutes early. He's ready for the day. And then, you know, and I'll just start working through that. So, you know, chucking a truck, his his whole van is a mess. He there's no organization, everything's dirty, you know, yada yada yada. You know, Paul the Pro, he's got everything ready to go. His day is going to be easy because he did the work of getting the van ready. As we get to the house, Chuck in a truck's got a wife beater on. He's got three days of grubby stubble. He smells like cigarettes and last night's booze. So when he rings the doorbell, the customer's going to be put off by Chuck in a truck. Paul the Pro's got a nice, neat uniform. He put a breath mint in before he rang the doorbell. He's shaven. His hair looks clean. He looks like a professional. And I just kind of go down the whole, the compare and contrast. And that's super popular because I will have technicians from all over being like, oh, they'll text me because I I even give out my phone number to the text if they need something. I have guys in like, I don't know, Cincinnati text me like with a picture. Hey, Eric, I was at the gas station. Look at this Chuck in a truck. (laughs) He'll just send me a picture of some (laughs) rando dude because what am I doing? I'm trying to I'm trying to compare and contrast and give them a sense of pride that, hey, because the companies that buy our service, they're not Chuck in a truck companies. They're trying, they're good companies trying to be better. And, you know, that's a super popular lesson because it gives technicians pride in what they do. They don't want to be Chuck in a truck. They want to be Paul the Pro. You know, I do other stuff too. Like um, we do disc training. Are you guys familiar with disc personality profiling? So we, that was one of the most popular thing. I'm disc certified. My business partner, Larry's disc certified. We, um, we got into disc because Larry and I are t- polar opposites of each other. And we used to fight all the time. 
and it was personal for us, you know, like, oh, you're screwing me over and you're doing this to me or you're doing that to me. And also Larry and I are college roommates. So there's this long history. <laughs> and then we saw a presentation by Dr. Robert Rome on disc. And we literally just like were blown away and we looked at each other and we're like, hey, sorry, man. <laughs> you know, it's like everything was forgiven because we realized that it wasn't Eric versus Larry. It was Larry's style was a very contrasted to my style. So we're each being ourselves, but we're annoying the other person. So as we started getting into it, we realized, hey, we can get a lot better, along a lot better if we use DISC. So we started training our guys. And this happens in the video lessons for the clients. It happened with my guys. At first, they just stand there with their arms crossed like, what in the world are we doing here? Like, why are we talking about this? But then what happens is as the lessons go on, they start to go to a client's house and they see this lady is a high D. She's trying to bully me. She's mm. trying to steamroll me. She's impatient. You know, so all of a sudden they recognize it. Oh, boy. Wow. So and then they recognize it with the, their assistant. Oh, that guy's a C. That's why he's slow. He's like trying to get everything totally perfect. And I'm a D and I just want to go and get it done and move on to the next one. And. I think the disc training is one of the most popular and impactful trainings we do. And we do that every Wednesday. So Sounds like the most powerful. Yeah, it it yeah. is, man. Like, I'll give a story. I had two guys that worked in a van together every day. And, you know, we had grown to the point where I wasn't really out in the field with the guys a lot. They had managers who were well-trained and taking care of them. And I was, you know, working with Larry, trying to grow. I was sitting at my desk. One of my managers, you know, kind of runs into my office. He's like, hey, you know, Eric, we got this guy and this guy and, you know, behind the shop and they're, they're ready to start throwing punches. They're, they're ready. They're squaring off right now. And I'm like, oh boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> World War three. Here we come. So I, uh, you know, I said, well, bring them into the, uh, my office. So they came in and they're both, you know, angry and they sat down and I'm like, all right, like what's up? And then I'm waiting for, I hate this guy. And, you know, da, da, da. like we've all heard that as an owner. Right. And the other guy goes, well, Eric, here's the deal. I'm a high D. I want to get it done. I'm impatient. <laughs> I want to do this. And, and, you know, he's an I. So he's spending way much too much time talking to the client and asking all this stuff about, you know, this and that. And then the other guy goes, yeah, you know, I am steamrolling him, you know, with D's. That's what we do when we're getting impatient. And, you know, <laughs> so they have this long conversation all in disc, guys. Right. And I'm just kicking back in my chair like. I think this works. You know? Like I'm not even thinking about them anymore. I'm just thinking like, darn, I did, a, I did the right thing for a change, you know? And uh, so anyway, we, you know, I let them vent and I was like, all right, so we good. And they're like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> and they, they, they worked on the truck for like two more years together. Wow. You know, Eric, the, the ongoing joke here around my, my office, uh, my wife and actually one of my head contractors, they say the same thing about Joshua and I. They said you guys are polar opposites. And I think what happened is if Joshua and I both went to the UPW, like the Tony Robbins, mm -hmm. and then I, I furthered myself. And I think he's done some programs with his wife and some things like I went to the landmark. So we understand personality. We don't understand the disc. But what happens is we know we're opposites, but we allow each other. We respect each other on those levels because exactly. I think before those programs, him and I would have we'd have argued and yelled at each other already and been at each other's heads because we I mean, sometimes we pull completely the opposites apart. But I, I told one of my contractors, I said he tolerates me. And <laughs> I guess that's where that's where the friendship lies is like. He'll get on here and he's all proper and cool, calm. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'll just drop something out. And he and you can see him trying to clean it up for a second. And he looks back like that's just Dwayne. You know what I mean? And yeah. we respect each other. Well, no, that's Larry and I. Larry on a disc is what they call a high eye. I mean, he's a people person. His, his number one motivator is fun. Like if he's not going to have fun, he's not going to. He's not going to want to work hard, right? Like it has to, there has to, there can't be drudgery in it. Like, and he's the marketer. He's out there kissing babies and shaking hands. And, but the downside of an eye is lack of detail. Communication sucks, you know, like lots of, lots of missing information, which used to drive my technicians bonkers, you know? And, uh, and I'm what they call a high D. So like, 
big picture, uh, impatient, uh, you know, all about tasks and just getting things done. Don't care if there's drudgery. That doesn't bother me. I'm not here for fun. I'm here for money, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, we had to learn that we need to put both of those things together because we're stronger together than, and then apart because, you know, not everybody thinks like me and not everybody thinks like him. So, because we were polar opposites, it made us more successful. And that's what I try to teach all these technicians that, look, you know, a lot of guys go out in teams of two, super common. So you're going to be different. You got to use that to your advantage. You know, I say that with my cleaners, like the lead might be really good at cleaning, but not really good at sales because they're not a people person. But they have an assistant who doesn't know really how to clean all that great yet. Well, great. Let's teach him how to sell. And while you're cleaning, he can be going and getting a sofa add on or a tile add on. And, you know, you have to use the skills that you have on every van to its maximum potential. That's what I, no, I totally agree. It, it's it's to Dwayne's point. It, it's understanding that everybody is different and to not try to find fault in that but try to find as much value because that person complements a lot of things that uh, you may struggle with, you know yeah. what I mean? Or um, things that you don't bring to the table, they do. And it makes the whole conversation like our conversation, Dwayne, it makes it more exciting. You throw things in there. I throw things in there and you know, it's um, it, it makes it more entertaining and more enjoyable because at the end of the day, it's all about enjoying this, this ride we call life. So um that's really cool. Now, Eric, unfortunately, our time is already starting to wrap up here. So I want to have uh, a way that people can reach out and find you. So can you tell us how we can find you out there? Yeah, a couple ways. So um, best way is morningtechmeeting.com. So you, you can get sample videos. So if they're interested in the videos, they can get, you know, I think for a dollar, you get like a week's worth of videos or something like that. And then look, you know, this video training it's purposely inexpensive because we want every service company to have it. So it's 129 bucks a month for your whole company, right? You're getting, you know, five days a week of lessons for 129 bucks, you know? And the reason the price point is that is because we feel that everybody wins. The clients win because they're getting a better experience. The technicians win because they feel better trained and the owners win because they don't have to do the training themselves. They can focus on other stuff. Um, and then we also teach other classes and, and they are all listed on morning tech meeting as well. And then the best way to be honest is just put your email in. There's, there's a, a spot on our website, put your email in to get updates. So anything news coming up will come through there. And then the other way would be, uh, the blue collar nation podcast. If you want to get to know Larry and I better. I think you get a pretty good sense <laughs> of listening for a very short period of time. And we have really cool guests because we're not just, it's kind of like you guys are doing. It's not just cleaning and restoration. Yes, we have that, but we have plumbers, we have landscapers, we have, you know, everybody. Um, and it's just so much good information and we do it every, we do an hour show every week. So um, we've been doing that for two years. And then one last thing, if you don't mind me uh, uh, adding this. So we're starting a class. We had our first one yesterday. It was a virtual course, a one day virtual course on it's called the profits of profit. You can find that also on morningtechmeeting.com. I think we're going to have this once a month myself and another instructor in, in my industry. We just realized that everybody's having such a hard time with staffing. And to be honest, you know, cause I have a lot of clients, the clients that have built attractive businesses still are not having the same problems that companies that aren't working on that. Right. So we're doing a one day class on culture and strategies to find the right type of person and the, the strategies to keep them. So um, just if you're interested in that, uh, we had a great class yesterday. And we're going to do that once a month. So you can find that on the website too. I don't, I don't know the date for the next one yet. I think it's probably late November. Yeah. Eric, we interviewed a Ryan England. Uh, I think it's on our last I podcast I know Ryan. episode. Yeah. He's yeah. a dope dude to connect with that on that one. Yeah. yeah Ryan's been on our podcast uh, at least once, maybe twice. So yeah. 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 yeah Ryan has a really um, unique and interesting, you know, hiring system. I really like. I think the problem that he has is like the same as a lot of people have. The owners 
they want to buy something that they don't have to do anything with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Ryan's yeah. thing, like anything else, you have to make changes within your organization to make it work to its full potential. Yeah. And to be honest, morning tech meetings kind of that way too. Like, you know, you, you have to buy in, like I can, I can send lessons every single day to treat, to teach your guys to behave a certain way, but you have to keep working at that and make that part of your culture to make it stick. Yeah, it's so true. It's no different than going to the gym. I'll say it a million times. You can't go in the gym the first day, lift one weight, and all of a sudden get the muscle mass that you want and look in the mirror and be like, wow, holy shit, look at that. That doesn't happen, right? Totally. Business is no different. So even with our process, you know, we have people come through and they're just like, yeah, I want to lift the dumbbell once and sew the muscle. I want to come to one class and then sell my ass off. This is amazing. But just, it doesn't work that way. You know, that's not how life works. So if that's you listening, I would suggest you just shut the podcast off and go back to being mediocre. But if you want to you actually be truck grow- and truck. Exactly. Go back to being Chuck. But if you want to grow and you want all the things that are in your dreams and all the things that you want to do for your family and in your life and travel and whatever it might be on your list, doesn't matter. Whatever it is for you, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and get dirty. That's just what it yeah. is. You're going to have to put effort forward. And, you know, Eric has an excellent program here that you could work with if you have technicians in the field. Just imagine each day having, you know, information to be able to look at with your with your team, having a morning meeting. He can teach you how to do that and then have content to work with, too, to say, OK, today we're going to focus on how do you show up to the front door when you first ring that doorbell it sounds so minute but my god is that important so important yeah yeah, yeah can so i make one more so. point about that sorry my go my, my my guy rescheduled so i have a minute or two um okay, go for it you know i had a coach uh, his name was howard partridge for our business and you know howard used to say build the dream build the team or give up the dream and you know we all go into business not to just work our ass off seven days a week and, you know, do this. We want to have a better life for ourselves, right? I mean, that's the whole reason we all become entrepreneurial. And a lot of us start out as technicians in any kind of the trade, right? So we know how to do the work. Like Dwayne, you're on a lawnmower, right? You know how to, you know, do all that work. And all of a sudden you're now like parlaying that into a business and to scale that business, what do you need? You need a team and you need systems and you need people to behave a certain way. And if you don't put the effort into building that team, you will never be free. You know, my my day before we sold was I'd go in and do a morning meeting. I'd go in the office and see if the girls in the office had some paperwork I needed to look over. I would leave. I'd go ride my bike for like three hours. Then I'd take a nap and then I'd, you know, read a book. And then I'd show back up at the office at four o'clock and high five everybody as they came in from the field, ask if everything was going okay. And I got the heck out of the way because I had trained managers and the people to do the work for me. It took a long time to get there, but that was my dream. I didn't want to be every day, all day at the business. So like you said, Josh, you've got to put the work in on the front end to make that happen. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Well, Eric, we definitely so, appreciate you on a podcast. Anyway. I learned some stuff here. It's been great. Uh, I certainly appreciate it all. Um, and as you guys know, you know, we're uh, Dwayne and I, we have a, a bet back and forth as far as how many people we want to impact in the next, uh, I think we're down to like 57 months at this point. It's the five-year plan to impact and empower one to two million, you know, human beings, contractors out there in the world. So if you love what you hear in this podcast, please share it with your friends. I mean, we're going to continue to do this. We put a lot of time to this podcast to make sure we're bringing awesome people like Eric on to give you gold nuggets you can work with in your business and not just ideas, but if you really want to get involved, they have the, the systems in place that you can just reach out to them and set up a time or whatever or purchase a program and just get started right away so you don't have to sit there and think about doing it later right so again if you find value in this please tell your friends uh, leave us a review on the podcast is fantastic get others involved so that we can help impact and empower everybody so guys without any uh with any final nuggets you want to drop here before we go train your people love it so that you your can people. have some freedom yeah yep. that's what it there should be an equal sign between that training equals freedom Absolutely. 100%. Done. I'm going to make a t-shirt of that. <laughs> I love it. Maybe put a hashtag in front of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll quote you at the bottom or something. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. You can spell the whole name out. That'd be great. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't spell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll That'll text be the signature. It'll look that would be like a signature. signature. <laughs> There'll be a J and a G and a bunch of scribble. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine by me. I'm good with that. Okay. All right, good. guys. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>